We're winding it down, talking about this week as the weekend is approaching. Thanks for hanging out for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. Uh, a few weeks back, I mentioned that I want I had been endeavoring to be a little bit more transparent on the show. Not that I haven't in the past, but just that I wanted to share more of myself. And I've shared aspects of my testimony, and I believe in our very first podcast all those weeks ago, uh, I shared a little bit of my testimony as it relates to the ministry and how we were founded and how we began. But I'd like to spend a few moments talking a little bit more about that in detail. Um, and, but first I'd like to go to Adam with a quote of the day. And so here's Adam. This comes from Philippians one verses 20 through 21. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with, but that with all boldness as always. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. All right, well, I chose this verse for the quote of the day because it's my life verse, and I'll get into why in a few minutes as I get to that part of my testimony. But to begin my testimony, it's, it's pretty, I, I'm pretty blessed. I was born to Christian parents in May of 1979, which in general, May is a great time to be born. It's the beginning of... Summer, I was born on Memorial Day weekend, which is the unofficial kickoff of summer. You know, Adam and I have joked a little bit how that the summer calendar officially kicks off around the 21st of June. But yeah. Somehow we we get out of school before then and and we go back to school before the end of official summer. So but the kickoff of summer vacation is typically like the Memorial Day weekend or a little bit after. And so kind of a neat thing to be born then except that i was born three months early i was born at 29 weeks gestation which is significant um i because i had heard that uh shortly after i started working at right to life of michigan that close to um one third of all babies that were aborted are aborted uh in the second trimester Oh, wow. Which is when I was born. I didn't even make it to the third trimester. And so people trying to say that that's not a life, all they have to do is look at me and see that that's true. Now, there are even more significant cases. I recently watched a couple of videos from a couple of different young ladies who both survived abortion. They had literally been a, attempt, people that had really, literally attempted abortions on them. And they have lived to tell the tale. Wow. And, and yet we somehow justify that in our country. But I'm getting a little off track. Anyway, I was born um, Sunday, May 27, 1979. Interestingly enough, I was born at 11.22 a.m., which was during um, Sunday morning worship. Um, and I think that's one reason why I'm a preacher today. Um, or at least that's what I what I like to tell people. I don't know. <laughs> Exactly, but it is kind of interesting that that's the way it happened. My mom, of course, being a first-time mom, didn't realize she was in labor at first. Just thought she was maybe sick with the flu. My parents were on their last 
vacation before becoming parents. And I guess I decided to join the party. So I came early and of course I don't remember much about this time, but my dad said <laughs> he remembers walking around the campus of the hospital begging God for my life. Mm. And I don't know how in danger I actually was. I know that there was a period of time when my lungs collapsed, causing uh, brain damage, which put me into a wheelchair. But I'm also thankful that I have sharp mental faculties. I have a bachelor's degree, um, and my GPA was close to 4.0 during my college years, at least the last couple of college years. So I'm very blessed. But as I grew, my parents um, always taught me that there is a purpose for everything. And when I was approaching my fifth birthday, um, again, I don't remember much about the circumstances, but my mom tells me that my great-grandfather passed away. And I had asked her, I said, is grandpa in heaven? And she said, I don't know because I don't know what he did with Jesus. If he decided to trust Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And so at that point, I began to realize um, in a very real way that I needed to do business with God. And God um, broke through and said, you need to make this decision. And so with my mom nearby me, I made a decision to follow Christ shortly before my fifth birthday. And I like to, you know, I like to tell everybody that that's kind of the end of the story, that everything was hunky-dory, that everything was roses, that I woke up the next day just full of joy and and zeal for life. And and I I don't want to paint the exact opposite picture either, that I was totally bummed and depressed. But I will tell you that in a very real way, my permanent destination was secure. I knew I was going to heaven, but I was also upset about my temporary destination. And for much of the next nine years, I would tell God, if God, God, if you could give me a whole body, if you could give me a body that wasn't crippled, then I could do so much more for you. And I, and I often had these conversations with God. Well, fast forward to July 16th, 1992, which was the worst day of my life. Um, my mom had just given birth to my brother, John Michael, three months and eight days before. And he was just the greatest baby. He let me hold him. And most kids at three months of age won't let me hold them. So that was that was significant. And it, he was just a really great baby. We, we did a lot when he was during uh, those first three months. We went to parks almost every weekend. We saw my uncle and aunt get married. Just a lot was packed in. Mm-hmm. And after the fact, we realized that it was God working to give us plenty of memories. But anyway, um, my mom fed my brother at about 7.30 in the morning on that morning of July 16th. And about 1 or 2 in the afternoon, she went in to her bedroom where he was laying on the bed. And he was not there anymore. He had passed away. My parents... Um, often thought of it like God just sent an angel to say, let's go for a walk, John. And that walk was to heaven. And I just remember my mom running down the stairs and screaming and crying and saying, 
and remember her pulling the phone off the wall and calling 911 and saying, I think my baby's dead. And at that point, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This isn't happening. And I, the, the interesting thing was I was reading my Bible in the living room mm. when that happened. So then um, as all this drama is going on, I'm even reading more intensely. I'm trying to turn to all the passages I know where there's a lot of hope. And I you know, was praying, and then the ambulance came, and they took him to the hospital. And I kept praying that that he would be okay, that it was just an overreaction that he had passed away, but I I had no I knew they were doing CPR on him and stuff. Well, my parents came back a few hours later and said that he had gone to be with the Lord. And so now I'm sitting here. I've already struggled with the way God made me. I've already been fighting with God, and now God took my baby brother, who was extremely healthy up to that point, as far as we knew. He was born at home. He was my mom's biggest baby to that point and so there was no earthly reason why he should have been gone and i remember raging against god and saying god why did you leave me here and take him he was perfectly healthy i was useless there's no earthly reason why you should leave me here and for the next three months especially for the better part of the next year i was extremely bitter at god I didn't want to go to church. I'm glad that I was in a wheelchair because if I hadn't been, I might have ran away on Sunday mornings, you know, and hoped that my parents pulled out of the driveway without me. Of course, they probably wouldn't have because <laughs> being 13, even if I could walk, they probably wouldn't have gone anywhere until they found me. But the point was, I was in a wheelchair. I was captive to their desires to bring me to church. And so every week, I would go to church. I would hear about the hope of God, and I would, I would just be continually mad at God. I was like, "Well, if God's such a God of hope, why did He let this happen?" You know, my baby brother was was healthy. He was he was a perfect baby, and now he's gone. And God really stuck with me over over that time. And this is how I know that salvation is not of me, because if if salvation was my doing. I would have been unsaved very quickly <laughs> through that year. But God never let go of me. He doesn't let go of his own. And when I was 14, um, he finally broke through when I went to a conference where I, where we, the conference speaker talked about the 10 unchangeables of life, 10 things that you wish that you could change, that people, that people wish they could change about themselves. But can't. Now, we don't all wish that all of them would change. But some of these things that I remember, I don't remember all 10, but some of them were the time that we were born in history, our birth order, things of that nature. But the one that stuck with me was the way God made you physically. And that one hit me between the eyes. And for the first time, God broke through and he said, not only do you need to survive or just kind of exist within your disability. But I need you to be thankful for your disability. I need you to realize that I had a plan, that it wasn't an accident. And that day at that conference, I remember uh, bowing my head and saying, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, 
but I promise that whatever opportunities you give me to proclaim your word, I will do them to the best of my ability. Now, have I 100% kept that promise? No, I haven't. But God is faithful. He's faithful to give me opportunities to serve him. This podcast is an amazing opportunity that I never would have foreseen as that 14-year-old kid. And he's continuing uh, to give me opportunities that uh, that I never would have would have thought of um, at that time. But it was, it was just God telling me, um, you know what, trust me and, and watch what I do. And it's just been amazing to watch God answer desires of my heart as my heart has changed toward him. I think I mentioned on this podcast before that often we say, we, we think about that verse in Psalms that says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And our initial thinking as a kid is, well, if I want an ice cream sundae every day, and I delight in the Lord, then he's going to give me an ice cream sundae every day. <laughs> Maybe it's not that particular item, but that's the kind of the way of thinking. But as I've grown and matured in my faith, I've realized that as you delight in the Lord, he changes your desires to be in line with his. And... You know, I I wanted to do radio slash podcasting since I was like seven years old. I was doing these radio shows with my Fisher Price tape recorder, and <laughs> so I I often I long felt that I was kind of born to do this type of work, and I felt that God was kind of leading me away from that when I got into college, and but He's led me back around to podcasting, and I'm almost done. But I just wanted to give you a little bit more background because I talked a little bit about this in our, our initial podcast way back in October of 2012. I just want to give you a little bit more detail. Speaking for him was actually born out of a variety of different circumstances. But the first thing that planted the germ was um, that when I was in college at Louisiana Baptist university, they wanted us to do a paper where we came up with a ministry plan for what we wanted to do to minister, to be in ministry for like a five-year plan. And so I began to to talk and, and, and write about how I wanted to minister to families. And I wanted to encourage people to embrace their roles as men and women. Because one of the things that I'd always been burdened about is that the youth of, of today— will be the adults of tomorrow. And they need to serve God now with their youth and not just put it off and not be like, well, when I'm 18, when I'm an adult, I'll flip over and I'll become an adult and I'll serve God. We need to cultivate that when they're very young. And as I began to think about this, I began to think about uh, writing a book for youth. And then I began to realize that, that the roles of men and women are very different and, and they need to be looked back on you know, the blueprint needs to be looked back on and seriously studied. So I wrote my first book, Men of Valor, which is available um, as a ebook on Amazon. And the link is in every uh, blog post that relates to our podcast. I always have that at the bottom so that you can go to it and purchase that. And um, I get 70% of the proceeds. Amazon takes 30, but they don't charge me. They didn't charge me anything up front. So it's kind of a neat thing. But anyway, 
so I wrote that book and uh that really started me on the road of really thinking about how important this is. And then through my dad and a couple other really very special friends, um, I founded Speaking for Him in 2009 and uh, just began preaching in churches and, and began blogging more faithfully. And then in an effort to broaden the horizons of Speaking for Him, I reached out to the Christian radio stations and WJQ was really the only one that got back to me and said, yes, we'd like to have you on to talk about your ministry. I began as a devotionator for the morning show in 2011. I did that, I believe, for two and a half years until Chris and Emily Danielson left for other opportunities. And overlapping with that in, I believe it was July of 2000, uh, July of 2012, I I had this epiphany, and that was that sometimes the studios of JQ are empty, mm-hmm. even though the radio is still on. So I thought, well, if I can get uh, some studio time, then maybe I can do a podcast. And I had met Adam in January of 2012, I think, for the first time, when we because he, he was a producer on... Ignite with J.R. Pittman. Yes. And we hit it off. We realized we were uh, mutually homeschoolers, and we had lunch a couple times, and we just enjoyed our time together. So then I got this idea for a podcast, and I email Adam, and I say, Adam, I'm about to approach the management of WJQ about getting studio space to do a podcast, and if that happens, will you be my producer? And he said yes, even though... He had a lot of responsibility at the station, and his responsibilities have only grown, uh, but he's continued to be faithful to the ministry of speaking for him, and I greatly appreciate that, Adam. I know mm-hmm. I've told that, I've said that to you on numerous occasions, but I never want you to ever feel like I'm trying to take advantage of you, because I really appreciate the extra effort that you put in, especially now that you rise before anybody else in their right mind <laughs> to do a morning show, and then you come back in after hopefully getting a little bit of relaxation in the afternoon to do this crazy show. But but I'm just excited to see where God has has brought the ministry and has, has brought me, and I hope that as you've listened to this testimony, uh, it's been an encouragement to you. And then I just wanted to... Um, Touch briefly before we end on a couple things. First of all, I want to talk about the facts. And what I mean by that is there's a lot going on right now um, about very important moral issues, especially as pertains to the way people perceive them in social media. Mm -hmm. We've talked about abortion on this podcast freely. We've talked about the sanctity of marriage, and we're not going to go into detail on those. But I just want to encourage anyone out there who who may not be a believer, who may not see things eye to eye with us. I want to tell you a couple things. Number one, the stance that speaking for him takes on marriage is not some arbitrary thing. I didn't just sit around one day and, and decide, hey, I'm going to discriminate against a whole group of people. I'm going to come up with an arbitrary standard. And I'm going to preach it from the housetops and and make everybody feel bad. 
No. The standard that speaking for him espouses when it comes to marriage is God's standard. Jesus talks about, when he talks about marriage, he talks about a man and a woman coming together for life. He never talks about two men or two women coming together. It's as simple as that. It's not about being a bigot. It's not about wanting to take away someone's rights. It's not about wanting to be unfair. It's simply about proclaiming the truth of Scripture as it is written. And it's not written there to be selfish or to be mean to you. It's written there because God knows what's best. He made the woman for the man. He brought them together and they form a marriage for his honor and his glory. Marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. That's what marriage is. And so that's what I wanted to say about that. And then you've all seen about the videos that have come out of, about Planned Parenthood, the undercover. And I haven't watched all of them. I watched one and it made me sick to my stomach. But I still shared it on Facebook because it needs to be seen. We need to know what we're doing. I am so passionate for life. I told you before, as part of my testimony earlier, that I was born at six months along. There are so many children who are killed at that age. And I, to say that they're not a life or they're not important is just wrong. Flat out wrong. And you can grandstand and you can trumpet for abortion all you want. I can't stop you. But we are long past the time when we can say that abortion isn't murder. We know it is. Technology shows us the humanity of the unborn child. And so you can no longer say it's a blob of tissue. Incidentally, they the, the Planned Parenthood, they, they say it's a blob of tissue. They say things like that as their party line. But when you watch those videos, they're not talking about blobs of tissue. They're talking about actual body parts for actual bodies and they're using human language so when it comes to trying to convince people to have abortions then it's okay to use the generic language but when they're harvesting them when they're selling the body parts they'll, they talk in very human language and don't bat an eye and why is this? It's because the devil hates us. The devil hates humankind because as we discussed previously in another episode a few weeks ago, we are made in the image of God. We are made with a purpose in the image of God. And the devil does not want to see us fulfill that purpose. The last thing I want to say before we wrap up, and I'll just ask Adam if, he has any thoughts as he's been sitting over there on any of these issues is this that abortion may be touted as a woman's choice but I know that there are women who are coerced into having an abortion I have personal experience knowing someone who was pressured to get an abortion so the next time you think about abortion as being a woman's choice Think about the people behind the woman whispering in her ear, trying to make her to 
get her to make this life-altering decision from which she can't, there's no return. There may be healing, there may be forgiveness, but there's no return from killing your child. A lot to think about today, but I hope that as you've listened to my testimony and you've listened to some of these things that continue to be my passions, that you've been encouraged. Um, and another, And one final thing is this, that we can pray about all these things until we're blue in the face. But it may very well be that God is calling you, as he called me, to take action, to speak out for these things. Because, you know, if Moses had just been like, okay, Lord, I'll pray for the children of Israel to be released from Egypt, God wouldn't have done it. God told Moses to go and take action. And he asks us to do the same thing. Adam, do you have any thoughts? Well, first off, I want to say thank you for uh, sharing your testimony in the first part. You have an amazing story, and I feel blessed to be a part of this. And thank you for asking me and, and for allowing me to have this opportunity each and uh, every week. Uh, I'm on the same page with you with, with all those issues, especially with abortion. I just wanted to encourage you listening. If you know someone who maybe is thinking about getting an abortion or you, you, you've known someone who has and they can't forgive themselves or someone wants to get an abortion, they just found out a baby, um, reach out in love and, and just, just talk to them. You don't have to come down with brimstone and say, how dare you think about abortion? And, you know, and, and then you scare them off. Just reach out in love and just talk to them that that is a human life. And for those that think, well, it's 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 it, it's my choice. It's my body. I'm a woman. It's my choice. Well, technically, it's the baby's choice because it's their body. So just keep that in mind with the child because it's really – it's their body. It is growing inside of you, but it's their body. That's something God created. So when we just reach out in love and just really try and talk to these women that are um, – you know, they're not evil. They're not wanting to just kill just because they're, they're scared, they're confused, and they're lost. So if we can just reach out in love and ask for God's direction on that. Uh, it at least gives a hope and a chance. So I just want to encourage you to do that. It, it's a hard thing to do. I've never personally been in that position myself, but if it is to come, I want to pray that God gives me the right words to speak one day. Oh, absolutely. And and, and again, this is what part of what this podcast is all about because you might not be in every situation we discuss, but even if you're in one or two situations that we discuss, then you're equipped. My desire is to equip the Christians to be warriors for God so that they can be ready for whatever God puts in their path. Peter said it this way, that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh us of the hope that lies within us. And I hope that if in some small way, speaking for him and this podcast have helped you do that, that you will continue to pray for us that you will send us messages with the contact information that's about to roll. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know how we can pray for you. We want to do that. And we want to be available on this Facebook page to answer questions, to engage in discussions. And if you have serious questions and you're not just somebody that's going to troll and say hateful things, we want to hear those too. There's nothing wrong with questions. As long as you really want answers. Well, I believe that's all we have time for this week. But thank you again for listening. Please 
share this with others. Um, and until next week, keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at Facebook.com slash Speaking For Him and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 